I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Joshua 24 this morning. And I spent several weeks, um, eight weeks to be exact, in this book and uh, traveled so that we might see God work among people's lives. It's so important that we know that there is more to religion. There is relationship with God. Amen? This isn't just some, some fad we go through, and it's not some lyric that we repeat. It's not some tradition that we serve. This is a relationship with God. And ladies and gentlemen, walking with God makes this life a fun, fun thing, even in the midst of trouble. How many of you know God intends that we have some fun along the way? Are you kidding? He said, here it is. Take it, subdue it, enjoy it, and all that. Yes, I know Satan came and brought thorns on roses, and I understand as a child I knew what it was to run out in the country with, how many of you know what goat heads are? Then I don't have to explain one thing. <laughs> I used to have a set of tires on a bicycle that were so thin a sticker would make a flat on it. Uh, but at least I had one. My dad gave $10 for it. <laughs> I, I come from meager means, and yet I wouldn't trade for the values at all. I've learned that if it comes easy, you really don't respect it. But if you have to work for it, it's an entirely different thing. And you learn to appreciate what you have. I just want to tell you this, you young couples, and don't wait until you're uh, up in years and about ready to leave this planet, don't wait that long before you appreciate what God has given you and your mate and your children and your grandchildren. Don't wait till you're gone before you realize the importance of a family and a church family and having a relationship with one another. I thank God that when we open this book, it's not just words, it's not just stories, it's not just rhetoric, it is life because God says, I will send my word and heal them. These words are healing to the soul and the spirit and the body of humanity. We are the greatest treasures on this planet. Listen, God can make all the gold he wants. He can make all the silver he wants. He can speak and recreate and recreate anything he wants. But the number one thing that God wants from anything is your life and my life to follow him and be in love and have relationship. Aren't you glad it's more than religion? <laughs> so I'm going to add a, an addendum, a postscript to, to the turning north and the prepare. So I want you to follow me real quickly, and I'll not try to be long. Today I want to talk about the last chapter of Joshua and how God led these people. And we've talked about many things about them, but I want to bring us today to a place and I want to emphasize the fact that we must prepare to make a choice. To make a choice. These past weeks for me, I will tell you, have been laborious and an, um, 
effortful study. It has taken me hours and a lot of times. And yet it's been a special time for me because it has bolstered my faith. It has been a special time to watch God instruct us and let us learn. I've had many comments. Pastor, I never saw all that in Joshua. Frankly, neither had I, but I felt led to take us there. And as we travel with Joshua and Israel, the word prepare, I used it every time, prepare to do all these things, because it was God's instruction to Israel and to Joshua. It meant from God, simply this, when he said, prepare to do these things. Yeah, I believe it's God speaking, saying, I am a keeper of my word. I am about to fulfill my promises in your life. And now, believe, obey, prepare to be a people that are blessed by God so that you are a witness in reality and in genuineness for God. Ladies and gentlemen, our relationship to God, yes, it pays us, and yes, we have eternity. And Thank God I was rehearsing with my mom yesterday morning on the phone. Uh, we were just got to talking, and she's got some forms of dementia, or she can't remember a lot of things, and, and she'll be 95 in, uh, in uh, September. And we were talking about, and we got on the subject about when we gave our heart to the Lord. And she told me that she gave her heart to the Lord when she was six years years old. And I said, well, mom, I've never forgotten this. I remember being in the old first assembly of God in Paul's Valley. I was five years old. I, I'm sure I hadn't done a lot of bad things, but I sure knew that I wouldn't write about everything. And you know what? You'd be surprised how we try to change that, but we're not right about everything. I mean, we know we're not right about everything. I remember there was an old uh, uh, one before slat pew, and I, I, I was sitting about four chairs back, kind of on the inside aisle, and, and they gave the invitation, and I just got up as a, nobody prompted me. No, I just felt like the, I didn't know what was going on inside, but I knew that I had heard that God would forgive me for my sin. I remember very succinctly and distinctly. I got up, walked to that old altar that was one before also. I knelt there, and I said, Lord, I, I, need to, I, I need you. I feel a sense of coming to you, and I know your blood will cleanse me, and I ask you to cover my sin in your blood. I have never been the same since that day at five years old. How many of you have served the Lord most of your life? Praise the Lord. I think of all of you who came later in life, but I thank God for answering prayer. Amen. So God said, prepare. I keep my word. I'm going to fulfill my promise to you. So Joshua and Israel, as we saw, they moved. Prepare to move. They did. Prepare to see. And they saw God moving, not only in the natural, but in the supernatural. Thirdly, they became people of faith. They crossed over Jordan in faith. They watched God Part the waters of Jordan, just as the history had been for parting the waters of the Red Sea. Then they experienced God working in them. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not just ink on a page. This comes to life, and God wants it to change us from the inside out. This word is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to rightly divide the word of truth and guide us. Thank God that it's alive in us. They experience God working in them. 
And then he said, prepare to leave a memorial to speak. I want you to be a witness to the generation and the generations, plural, that follow you. This is what God did for us. These 12 stones are miraculously here because God miraculously dried up that sea. Ladies and gentlemen, there are some people who think the days of miracles are over, but I have news for you. When I was five years old, the greatest miracle I ever experienced was when God totally changed my life. And that's a miracle. And I've seen miracles. I have seen them. I have witnessed them myself. I just Friday received a testimony about a young man who had never heard in his left ear. And the doctors had said there's nothing they can do about it. The auditory nerve in his left ear was never developed and he'll never hear. There's nothing they can do for it. They begin to pray in a few weeks' time. And I believe it was last Sunday morning, some people laid hands on that child. And suddenly, now he's, I think, up 10, 12 years old. Suddenly, he hears as good in the left ear as the right ear. Don't tell me God's not the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is a healing God, and he loves us. He said, oh, that's just a bunch of made-up stuff. Ask that 10 or 12-year-old boy if it's made up. Listen, if, if God's not the same today, then he must be less than he was when he walked in the flesh. But he's the same. How many of you know that when we go and pray, we have faith that God can and will heal? Praise his name. I'm praying for Melissa Falcons in this day, and I'm telling you, this is fertile ground for the doctors don't know what to do. They can't get. Let me tell you something. Every week, this husband and these children up here ministering, and you don't, you, listen, you never know what someone's going through beside you, but you never know about these people who serve God, what kind of turmoil is in their life, because God would like nothing better than to destroy their life and their ministry. And Satan will always shoot at you and he'll hit. How many of you know that Satan will take aim at every one of us? And it's as if we, when we come to God, we have this X on us and it says, shoot here. <laughs> Listen, you're not going to live for the Lord and serve God with the gifts and talents and abilities he gave you without Satan trying to totally destroy you. But we're not called to be defeated. We're called, ladies and gentlemen, to step forward and refuse to be defeated by the enemy. Because God said, I'll give you the grace, I'll give you the mercy, and thank God that he has. They came to that place, finally, where they renewed their consecration toward holiness. God said, I cannot use your life for my glory if you are not holy. I want to share that with you today. God will not use our lives in the witness if we are not holy because he's a holy God. Then they triumphed at Jericho. Don't tell me that wasn't a great experience. And then we talked about last week what's left. They must continue. Ladies and gentlemen, we are called to do the will of God until the day God calls us home. So God, all of you who are my age and older, don't let us use this excuse. Well, I've had my day. I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, God wants to use us till the day we're called home. I didn't hear that. Let's say that again a little louder. Amen. <laughs> so it was continue. And young people, mom and dad, and I want to say Christ Legacy Church, our name, this church, is our mission. Christ's legacy. That means we're to preach, we're to teach, we're to serve, we're to obey, we're to love, we're to, to fellowship. Christ's legacy 
we are supposed to present that and live that in this new generation. And isn't that what you want your life to be? I want to be a, a living legacy of the Christ so that I can affect the eternity of others. Amen. So we must do that. But I want to share something with you. We must do that in a time that is trying. The philosophies of today in our world are so strong because of audio and video and so many media things that we easily get caught up in their values and their issues and their trends. Satan is always trying to deuce the mind of humanity away from anything like God. And I will tell you, we're in a generation that seems like it's in the extremity. We must live this legacy of Christ in a time that is trying. I read recently a man. I want you to listen to his, this minister describe these days. He wrote it so well, and see if you can identify. John A. Huffman wrote these words. I am convinced that we are living in the midst of exponential change that has totally destroyed the equilibrium of our lives. Daily, I am battered by an array of stimuli, and each impulse demands a part of me and my time. There are so many competing ideologies and friendships claiming my and clamoring for my allegiance. At times, I feel myself immobilized by the diversity, the complexity, and the changing dynamics of contemporary existence. I find it difficult to know what to do, how to think, and with whom to be. The clutter on the desk of my life piles high in astounding disarray to the point that the options before me terrorize me into immobility and decision holds me in its grip. Each generation tends to think that it is the first to experience this future shock, but every generation has had it in one degree or another. In our era, the complexity of life reflects itself in vast restlessness of spiritual indecision and searching for answer to life's problems. It's not that Americans have never heard of Jesus Christ. No nation is more exposed to constant religious bombardment by radio, television, newspapers, and magazines. The name Jesus Christ is heard daily. However, value systems are shifting and old answers are not easily accepted. The church as an institution is no longer commands respect without earning it. Spiritual restlessness also characterized the environment in which Joshua lived in his final years. So I want us to take our setting, and I want us to go to chapter 24. Read with me at verse 1. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel for their heads, meaning their leaders, their judges, for, and their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your father, watch how he rehearses it, Your fathers. 
including Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, dealt, dwelt in the other, on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him through out of all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau I gave the mountains of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. Also, I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to what I did among them. Afterward, I brought you out, meaning the nation, and I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen of the Red Sea, to the Red Sea. So they cried out to the Lord, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, brought the sea upon them, meaning the Egyptians, and covered them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. Then you dwelt in the wilderness for a long time. It has come to present day as Joshua speaks to Israel. Notice what God said, and he said, I brought you into the land of the Amorites who dwelt on the other side of the Jordan, and they fought with you, but I gave them, I gave them, listen to what God said, I gave them into your hand that you might possess their land, and I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose to make war against Israel and sent and call Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Therefore he continued to bless you, so I delivered you out of his hand. Then, how many in this room has been blessed by God? Listen to this. Then you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the men of Jericho fought against you. Also the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and all the Ite brothers. <laughs> but I deliver them into your hand. I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, also the two kings of the Amorites, but not with your sword or with your bow. I have given you a land for which you did not labor and cities which you did not build and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. And ladies and gentlemen, as we have traveled with Israel and Joshua, we saw them cross that Jordan. And I want to just tell you that in doing so, there was a, a kind of toughness of muscle, spiritually speaking. They took on a new relationship with God, and they watched God spiritually deal in them and absolutely miraculous walk with them. Their lives, though they struggled afterwards, and here in his last words, Joshua and in essence, he's saying some of you owned pagan ornaments still of the Egyptians and the Canaanites. You, you kept reaching back into the things that kept corrupting your lives. Some were double-minded with the same kind of restlessness that we see today. 
and indecision. They were filled with indecision. And we can sense it today. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a battle for your decision to either forget God or serve him. And whether you want to understand it or even want to think about it today, today you've made a decision. You're either absolutely following God or you are not. And I can't make any middle way. I can preach you the grace and I can preach you the, the, the mercy, but it's out of relationship and pursuit of God. And let me just tell you, you can make a decision. I won't be in church. I won't go to church. I won't do these things. But I want to tell you, when you do, you're disobedient and you're inviting failure to your life. I said it last week. And people wonder, why didn't God bless me? Why didn't life go right? All these things. I will answer that in simplicity. You have not made a decision to totally 100% commit everything in your life to God. And there are so many people walking on this, on this, well, I want all of the world I can have and barely have enough religion to be right. I want to tell you, you're either born twice or you're not. Amen. You pastor, that's just too, too, too narrow a line. I, can I just tell you, I say that in love, but can I tell you that that was God saying, and he will choose you this day. We'll be there in a minute. He will give you, he will woo you, he will draw you, he will put people in his life, your life, he will speak into you, he will make preachers preach like I'm preaching this morning, to urge you and woo you and draw you. Ladies and gentlemen, none of us know that if we have another minute. Joshua said it's time to make a choice. America, I want to talk to you online. Today, we are in the business, and we like it or not, we are as a nation making a choice. And listen, the consensus is we are no longer a Christian nation. How sad that is. And can I tell you, I, I understand the world that's blinded. I understand the temptation of those who won't consecrate themselves to God. And in some way, I give them mercy. Because I want to tell you something. The reason that I believe that America's in trouble and we're no longer considered a Christian nation, it's not because of the world. It's because of the church. Because let's just be emphatically truth about it. We like life and we like to flirt with sin. And we have not given God 100% of everything we have and own and do. You say, well, what kind of a God? Listen, if you dedicate your life a totally and totally to God, listen, you'll never have a better life. It's full of joy. It's full of glory. It's full of pleasure. It, it is delights evermore. He, he comes every morning with new things for your life. I teach my children, my grandchildren. I want to teach my great-grandson. God is the only thing thing in this world that will get you to an, a kingdom that is eternal in glory. There were others in Joshua's older days that capitulated and to contemporary thought forms into doubt. Ah, the church over there, we don't want it in society. Put those preachers over there, silence them, and they begin to practice pagan gods. And even though now Israel 
up in years with Joshua, Joshua stood in that generation in stark contrast to their weaknesses. And he stood in stark contrast because his life pattern had been set. I wish my dad were alive. I would love to hug his neck and say, Dad, thank you for every belt you ever laid on my backside. Thank you for every stern thing you ever said to me. Thank you for loving me enough to direct me and even punish me because I know it came out of love and it set my life's pattern. And Joshua got this life pattern, ladies and gentlemen. It began decades before when he was one of the 12 spies himself. And of 12, only two, he and Caleb, came back with a report of confidence enough into God that said he will meet this promise. Let's go forward. Time to decide. <laughs> That's holy ground, I think. And now this toughened veteran, now this godly old man who has led these people and done everything he can. Ladies and gentlemen, young people, listen. Joshua that day literally called for a decision that would help end in their life, and I want to say this to your life today, that will help in the spiritual and intellectual and moral restlessness that marks so many lives today in our world. Again, many had reverted to the old ways, some traditions that become pagan and patterns that constantly flirted with idolatry. Many had just turned away from the miraculous God. And church, listen, Joshua's summons that day speaks as boldly today as it did then. Joshua said that day, make a choice. Choose when, this day, whom you will serve. Choose this day, whom you will serve. Follow me. Elijah, <coughs> excuse me, at Mount Carmel said choose. He said it like this. <coughs> How long will you falter or halt between two opinions? Can I ask you how... <coughs> How many times will you listen to the enemy and walk away from a loving God? How many times aren't you glad for his mercy? At Carmel, Elijah said, choose. In the New Testament, Peter stood on the day of Pentecost and he said, this promised one of God who came, God's sacrificial lamb came, he was crucified, he was buried, and he rose from the dead. And thousands of people, 3,000 plus that day, made a decision to go forward in Christ. 
men, women, and young people were in the words of Jesus on that day, the first time I know about it, they call them born again. <laughs> How many of you want that title? Born again. I ask a clear question. Is there any other religion in the world that has so clearly specified the mighty acts of God? And I declare to you there are none. I want to make an announcement this morning, folks. Our God is an action God. And our action God is the one who takes the initiative and he does it on my half and your behalf. God fights for us. So I've tried to write this declaration. I'm going to stay with my notes because I want it like I said it. I declare, this is the God who has built his church. He has promised that the gates of hell will not be able to destroy it. And he is coming back in the form of his son, Jesus Christ, to bring all human history to a point of final cataclysmic culmination in which the power of Satan will be destroyed and Jesus will return and rule for eternity. And that's the decision we are called to believe. Against that backdrop, against that backdrop, our God, in verse 14 of this scripture, Joshua said, and I, I just want to paraphrase it, not to do an injustice to the scripture. In essence, he's saying to that generation, for God's sake and for your sake, make a choice. That's my introduction. There's five points. Thank you for not saying, oh, me. Here they are. Don't miss them. I'm just going to list them. I could literally preach a message out of all of them. So I want to put this in this generation, and I want you to hear it clearly. The requirements of making a decision are these. Number one, we must be willing to quit straddling the fence. Number two, to make this decision, we must be willing to exert influence on others instead of being pushed around by this world. It is our job to influence them, not let them influence us. Students at school, toughen up. You be the one who has the influence. You change them. Don't you let them suck you in because what they believe is a lie. It's as simple as I can say it. The third thing requirement is this decision for Christ must not be made lightly because it determines your eternity. Fourthly, we must be willing to go public with our faith. I want to stop and meddle just a minute. 
We come to church and the conviction of God comes upon us, but we're hiding behind a veneer and there's so much pride in our land and so much pride in our people that no one will get up and say, I need to get to an altar. There's something in my life that's not right. And we won't come in humility and we won't come in repentance to before the, 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 the body of Christ say, I need the Lord. I have something's wrong with my life. I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that kind of pride is a curse on this late day. I'll just say it plainly. We want nobody to think anything other than just our perfect, perfect veneer. We want to look at a facade. How many of you glad you came to church today? I think all of you. I just lost two buddies the last two years that were my compadres. They went on. I don't know. I, 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 listen, I, I don't think I'm going to be gone tomorrow, but I want to tell you something. I don't know how long I'll be here. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not here to make everybody feel good. I'm here to prepare us for an eternity. It's my job. Got to go public with our faith. And the last thing to make this decision, we must be willing to follow through with our all, not half-heartedly. I want you to note the final words of Joshua and what an impact it had. The book of Joshua concludes on a very positive note that we must never forget. I want you to look at verse 31 or listen. It says, here's the report. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua who had known all the works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. Ladies and gentlemen, my prayer for us, my prayer for Christ's Legacy Church is that we make a decision. And it's real. And we mean it. And we're not going to be like the world. <laughs> 